Welcome to the More Love podcast with Helen Reynolds. Today we're talking with Michael Visser, a man who's had multiple note experiences and can talk with us about miracles, love and all those wonderful things we have limited language for but make us feel that there is more to life than meets the eye. Welcome, Michael, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Helen. For those listeners who may be joining me for the first time, I have taken to using the term NOTE, which stands for Non-Ordinary Transcendent Experience. And the reason I like the term so much is its inclusiveness. It means that any experience we've had that warps time, increases our conscious awareness, gives us a sense of expanded reality, and often an experience where we feel more connected to life. Notes could be dreams, falling in love, near-death experiences, which I like to call compelling love experiences, miracles, spiritual experiences, and that sense of being in the zone, moments of inexplicable knowing, and much more. Michael, as we were preparing for this interview, you told me that everything that comes from love is a miracle and that miracles are not a spectacle, which I really liked because so often we think of miracles as a spectacle, as out of the ordinary, as and hence that's why we call them a miracle. Then you went on to say that the miracle itself does not matter. It's the source of the miracle or the source of the love that matters. So I'm wondering and looking forward to this conversation, I'm wondering if you came to have such a profound understanding of miracles and a connection to the source of miracles through note experiences and if you did, if you would tell us about it, please. Okay, well, I think this question is um, really, really interesting. Um, So I kind of delved a lot into a note experiences called near-death experiences. But I think note is a much better term and it includes many more experiences because lots of people have a similar experience like the traditional near-death experience um, but still feel um, experience itself um, reveals um, a similar ultimate reality that's different than the reality of living on planet Earth. So my background is a lot in the course in miracles. So my concept of miracles and maybe note experience is as follows. So a note experience, I think in the course in miracles is usually referred to as a revelation. So with that, it's really important to understand that Once people have note experiences in their memory, in their consciousness, there's two levels of reality. So one level of reality is the reality of space and time, which is highly subjective and all the other things that we study. And then there's the reality is usually spelled with a capital R, where um, probably the easiest conceptual word for it is a spiritual reality, where we're not our body, we're not our human mind, but we are what is usually referred to as our true self. So the often devastating, sorry to use that word, effect of having revelations of that true reality or our spiritual reality is that when we come back into our 
space-time identity, so me, it's Michael, and you, it's Helen, um, we can find a world that's not a better place, but is often in contrast with that spiritual reality, a more difficult space, or even devastating place to be in. And so the term miracle, inner course in miracles, is used to transform your human awareness or your awareness as it is in space and time to come and accept the love of the universe, the love of God, the love of that spiritual reality, and to let it transform um, the reality of space and time. And so from a spiritual perspective, the one thing that defines all experiences in space and time is the sense of separation. So I'm this body and my body is confined. Mm. And then there's all lots of other objects. It's your body, there's the bodies of the other 7 billion people that are here. And then there's the animals and then there's the intimate forms. And it goes on and on and on. And then we look into the sky at night and there's billions and trillions of stars and galaxies that never stop. So the thing is, is that at first glance, you, you cannot escape it, but you can transform it. So the miracle then is the challenge that comes to your human consciousness and kind of pulls the rug away from its foundations or pieces its bubble. There's different, different ex expressions for it. So the challenge really is, and this is where the personal work comes in, to be willing to go through the transformation. Yes. And it's a difficult thing because it totally is personal and what is absolutely fundamental necessary is your own willingness, yes. your own acceptance to go through it. At the same time, you're not in the driver's seat because it's actually the, the spiritual energy where you, you want to think it comes from God or the universe or Jesus or the cross or the Buddha or the angels or the archangels. It doesn't matter how that comes into your awareness. It's that spiritual energy that, that does the work. And so it becomes an undoing um, in my terminology to the blocks to the awareness of love. And I think that we will get down to that maybe a bit later. So there's a real challenge to accept the love of the universe. And that's really, really difficult because that really challenges all the memories that are stored in our um, root chakras, our, our lower chakras, which which um, are just an expression of all the beliefs and everything we've done. So once you have revelations, you come to see yourself, oh, um, all time goes on all the time. So the apparent past and future and present, they're all happening at the same time. So if there's memories in there from other lifetimes, and we made vows of chastity or we made vows of, of money is the source of all evil or we shouldn't have sexual activity or whatever it is. Then those belief systems, they just go round and round and round and round and we'll keep creating the same experience that we have of space and time. And so the challenge then is once you have these revelatory experiences which confirm in your own awareness, no, there is a different reality. Now the challenge is like, how can I keep accessing that light and allow myself to have my conscious patterns of memory 
You have to repeat and repeat over and over, being challenged by the life and be realigned to know a vision. Um, that actually shows a beautiful world, despite all the horrible things that go on. It will, will lead you in a state of, I think a good word is being positive about things rather than being hanging on to negative ideas. And everyone I think has accepted this idea of the law of attraction. If you walk around with a bundle of negative beliefs and negative experiences and resentment, you tend to attract the sameness of that kind of experience and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Yes. So it's a real challenge to let that be undone and enter into the positivity. And I, I think I read your book and you sort of tried to touch that on your emotions. And so emotions you cannot get away from. By the time they come into your awareness, they're already there. So they cannot stop them from happening. Mm. You know, the challenge is to uh, let your emotions be guided to positive experience so you start attracting positive experiences. And so that to me is one of the first step of series that, and this is really hard experiential wise. So this idea that there's this unconditional love. So there is this God-inspired energy that no matter what you think you've done and no matter what's in your memory banks, how bad you were and how guilty you are and or how guilty the world is, it comes in unconditionally to bring you back to thinking positively. And there is nothing required for you to do to be deserving of that or accepting of that. It's a real challenge. So I hope that kind of makes sense that miracles are about the acceptance of oneness. There's a lesson in the Course in Miracles that goes about God is in everything I see. And just look in the room you're at and really what seemed to be maybe mediocre things. So the handle on the door, if your eye glances at that, it's like God is in that handle. Um, you know, the, the seat you're sitting, no matter if it's a, a designer seat or the, uh, an old seat that almost falls apart, God is in it. That's an exercise in accepting that the love of the universe is unconditional and it's in everything. When I first started doing those lessons, my mind blew open and I looked at the ballpoint and for some reason, I got to see the connection with the enormous amount of innovativeness and science that came into that pencil. So, um, you know, a ballpoint pencil, there's plastic in it, there's ink in it and all this kind of stuff. So somewhere, somehow, someone um, discovered that there was such a thing as ink we could make and we could write down words for. And then you go like, well, who actually came to the idea of words and our brains learning a word is a concept that stands for something. And then plastic, who 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 thought of drilling into the earth and finding crude oil and they know a process of transforming that into plastic, which then through machinery could be made in a ballpoint pen. And who thought of the mechanics of the machinery? And and then you go like the truck that or the airplanes, or the ships, or the boats <laughs> that transport the ballpoints from point A to B. So, like, just the truck, it has rubber, and it has wheels in it, an engine, and so forth. It goes on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, you see, like, oh, my God, this ballpoint pen is an end product of an enormous amount of innovation and science and forward thinking. Um, it's amazing. This thing kind of makes sense. Yeah, yep. And then my mind immediately goes to, and what, 
creations is that ballpoint pen going to facilitate? What expressions of, of God or source or the cosmos or the universe is that yeah, ballpoint exactly. pen going to facilitate? And how serving is it? It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. So going back to yeah. that point you made which I think is just so valid that it is difficult to accept that there is more to life than meets the eye well that part's not so difficult but the difficult part is accepting that 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 aspect of life that we can't see but we can feel is supportive and loving and accepting and merciful and healthy and vibrant and abundant and all those wonderful things I'm just wondering if you would Speak with us a little bit more about how you came to accept that truth for yourself. So, yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to have that experience uh, very early in my life. Um, I, I was, I think it was eight or nine, and my mother started practicing transcendental meditation. So, I think in the time of the 1960s and, and, and 70s, um, suddenly there was a big interest in um, the Western world, particularly the United States, but also through like popular pop music bands like the Beatles to go to the um, religions and teachings of Eastern masters from India. And so my mother started doing transcendental meditation. So what do you do? I just oh, you still your mind and then you come into an experience of divine light or energy and, and so forth. So I did that and immediately I had a big light-bolting experience where a huge strong energy arose from the almost my pelvic floor and busted upward and ass through my head um, to the universe so to speak and, and, and many more started happening after that so for me it was just right there in, in my in my memory bank and experience of the different realities and as you do you start reading about books and you go like okay other people have this similar experience and this is what it reverses to. So, um, yeah, I think to have no experience, but now also you can, there's an overwhelming uh, amount of resources available where anyone could read about other people's no experience. To have that evidence that there is another reality, I think that's incredibly supportive. And I don't know how anyone will be able to pursue a spiritual journey back to discover who they truly are without that. Yeah, so for me, so I think you've sort of, from my perspective, was the source of the miracle. So what I learned through studying medicine and neurosciences is just like our, our human brains are actually quite scattered. And we continue, when we have a memory of something, our brain changes as to what it truly was. So we never really have a true recollection, but we do have perspectives. You can't go without it. And um, so what... What I learned was it's like, oh my God, there's a power bigger than bigger than my own human mind and the power of that mind. And so um, it was a real practice to recognize my own mind always wants to come first and deliver an answer to the situation. Just to train myself to have a step back, take a deep breath in <laughs> and ask for help and to let the light come in and then see where I'm guided to go or I'm guided to uh, incorporate things. Um, and and so then I started to learn that my progress was actually by undoing and, and really challenged my human mind that always wants to make a point. That always wants, that my, my mind always wants to prove a point. I'm right about this and what about that? 
and, and so particularly when you're happy uh, and you allow your human mind to come in, then it's like, yeah, that's all right, but what about this? And what about the mortgage? What about the rent? And how are you going to secure this? And blah, blah, blah. And, and so, you see, so I know this was always this down spiraling force that almost happened immediately. And what I learned in neuroscience, it's actually circuits in our brain and if we don't challenge them. And they just keep going and going and going and relentlessly and often they're negative. And psychologists explain it well, you know, originally to survive, we had to focus on the negative. So you see like the beautiful jungle in Africa and then it's like, that's lovely, but if you don't spot the lion, you're not going to be alive anymore in a few minutes. So it's more important to to, to focus on that than on the, the beauty of it. I don't know if that's true, but that's what the psychologists tell me. So yeah, I think it's a real recognition that your mind is like that and there's is it, is it an easy tendency to spiral down into negative emotions and negative thinking. So you definitely need that external help and, 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 and dedicate a practice to sort of um, transform out of that. Yes. I always refer to it as micro-commitments because yeah. we can, you know, perhaps we get up in the morning and we're very well-practiced at setting our intention for the day. Yeah. Yeah, that might be a big commitment. Like, you know, that's a daily commitment. That's sort of, to me, a big commitment. But it's in the moment when someone walks into the coffee room at work and starts complaining about a phone call they've just had or, you yeah. know, you have the micro-commitment to get involved in the in the complaint yeah. or the, the, you know, talking about people in a, in a non-supportive way. Or you can make yeah. the micro-commitment to look for the best in the situation or um, to say yeah. something supportive to that person or to encourage them to see the best in the situation, you know, whatever it might be. But to me, it's all those micro-commitments that we make moment by moment, day by day, that begin to propel us in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this is what I experienced as well. So, you know, you try to get to work and the traffic lights are against you. <laughs> it's so easy <laughs> to start complaining and letting yourself go down. It's like, no, nah, that really has to stop. It really consumes a lot of my energy and it doesn't really serve me. But it's a challenge. <laughs> so that larger, that part, that spiritual part, you know, that we might call the cosmos or the universe or God, do you see that as being part of you or you part of it? Yes. So how I experience it that um, I'm a whole part of it and it is a whole part of me. And so the, the main distinction to make there, I, I, I am not the first, I'm not the original source. But for me, like for a creator or creation to come to know itself, it must have creations that then reflect back to it or him or her or what you want to call it. Yes. And this is a way how awareness arises. So for example, if my mind wouldn't have thought, I would never have an awareness that there's such a thing as mine because how is it possible? Mm. So the only possibility there ever is to come to an awareness of oneself is to extend oneself. So how do you know about the concept of loving emotions? Because you can extend loving emotions mm. for yourself or for others, and this is how you become aware of love. The challenge is to work particularly with my low, what I call my lower consciousness. So this is my consciousness and mine is really focused always on justice and, and buttons that get pushed me are the injustice in the world. 
And then to see if like the universe doesn't see it. So there's a real desire in me for like to see fairness, <laughs> to see injustice being addressed. And what's a real challenge to see is like how do I let that part of my mind be challenged? And so in the Course of Miracles, I was profoundly helped by a statement of Jesus where he said like I was on the cross and then he never sensed the sense of separation till he was on the cross. And he had an expectation that suddenly God would come to the rescue and God didn't come to the rescue. And allegedly he said to his father, father, why has thou forsaken me? But he experienced a moment and he said in that moment he saw the meaninglessness of trying to address that idea of the injustice in the world because he then realized that the reality of life on planet Earth is not the same as the true reality and the two worlds never meet. But individually, um, the light of God and creation can make a, cha a change and a, a different experience through transformation of my human mind while I'm here. And it's almost like, um, so you go deep, deep sea diving in there's sharks, but for the same reason, the shark will always be there, but the sharpness of the teeth of the shark and the, the impending danger um, immensely reduce itself. And, and so that's how it is for me now. So like the world space and time is still a, a world of up and down and good and bad or good and evil, how I want to see it, positively and negatively. But as I walk through it in my journey through, through space and time, I do have this tool. I do have the connection with the love of the universe. It's a whole part of me and I'm a whole part of it. And that vision can always help me to transform through the challenges as they're there every day. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think it leads us straight into the concept of relationship. I think what you were saying before is that when we're really needy, you know, when we need a miracle or, or some kind of intervention from the universe or from God, we're very unlikely to get it. <laughs> um, but when we're in relationship with God, the cosmos, the universe, the source, we are co-creating. We're in relationship. We're doing it together. We're whole. And so we have the opportunity to to create, to, to, to change the reality in a way that is more loving. Well said. I think what you just said nails us on the head. So that's what I had to learn, that the universe does not understand need because there's no sense of lack. It's always, the true reality is always whole, complete, and there's only ever more. So the universe doesn't correspond to the idea of lack because it doesn't understand it. And what you said, like, yeah, you're co-creators. So, so I put it back in simple terms to the law of attraction. So if I feel a sense lack, then the only way out of it for me is to start looking at what is it that I need and then ask for it, let that be brought in and feel it in myself. So for example, I said like, oh, I, I, I feel totally alone or anything like that. Then the way out of it is 
to look where is that sitting in my body, for example, and it might be in my solar plexus. And then I, I can go like, okay, I can feel that now. And then I can ask the Holy Spirit or the angels or whoever, or God or Christ and say like, okay, um, I need your light to shine in there. And I need that negative experience of lack to be shown away with the light and be replaced with a total sense of being one of the universe, never being alone and all that kind of stuff. And, and particularly if you have memories to draw back and you can bring them in. And so then you can allow the universe to give you more of that, what you've just invited in. And it is a co-creative kind of exercise. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Yeah. What I had, yeah. So what I had to learn is not like, oh, I mean, need, and then I would spiral down. And like I said, oh, I need a miracle and, and nothing happens. So then it was like, no, I actively actually need to bring in what I feel I didn't bring. And then the universe can support that. And this is my way out of it. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying is that, you know, you need to recognize that what you're feeling isn't yeah. the truth and, and sort of direct yes. your attention into what, what you desire. But then there's that element of becoming that desire before the desire is realized. Yes. I feel a lot of people were uh, in religion and say, like, um, I was with the Roman Catholic Church and pray to God and my son has scanned, so please heal him. And then, and then they felt like, well, nothing's happened and uh, I have to let go because God didn't heal my son of cancer. And, and so what I didn't learn from that is that God doesn't recognize the cancer because it doesn't know what that is. There's, there's no idea of disease in God. So I think to try and challenge the cancer is totally focused on being totally healthy and looks after and this kind of thing. It asks for it to manifest in that person rather than say, go, go and heal the cancer, which tends not to work. Um, yes. <laughs> and the first thing is being co-created, but it's a real challenge because you have to challenge the uh, it's a real hard thing, but it's like you totally responsibility because we create our own realities. But at mm. the same time, to create reality is to ask God's creation to step forward and, 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 and let things be corrected to come back to original perfection. Yes. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough because what you, what you think you're seeing in time-space reality is essentially the opposite of the perfection yeah. that you're asking yeah. for. So it requires many, many micro-commitments <laughs> to keep your attention focused on, on perfection instead of seeing yeah. and experiencing the imperfection as the dominant part of, of sort of your attentive awareness. Yeah. And in the New Testament, we have these extreme examples of God, uh, Jesus on the Sermon of the Man and his teaching to the multitude. And um, as I see the story of Jesus, he had an enormous amount of creative light that came through him. So he didn't say, oh, God, please feed the multitudes. But he let God work through him and he saw the fish and he had some insight of how he could let God creative energy um, manifest more fish and more life and how it is i don't know um, but apparently that's what happened but it's a great example to see is like yes you need to let god in and then be just very clear of what you are so, okay 
I love this fish. It feeds us, it nourishes us, gives us today our daily bread, and now let more like that come to us. So I think somewhere in the Bible says, seek your first the kingdom of heaven, which is within you and all around you. So you so you so you're asked to become aware of this oneness and see that you're never separate from God and the creative energy and spirit is in everything. So now then you can start co creating and say, This is good. I want more of this. Now please let it happen. <laughs> yes. And have you found the co creating experience somewhat addictive that I just can't think of a better word but you know once you experience those synchronicities and that joy of things just working out or that joy of the spark of enlightenment and then it and then things begin to fall in place it gets very exciting and I find that I've you know it's so joyful that that it It that, that living any other way becomes less than satisfying it is, and sometimes it's also frustrating because I think inherent in this creative energy is never wants to increase fear or hurt or pain, and 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 so sometimes um, I had this huge conviction, like oh, I can help this person, individual, I can heal them for their ailments, or to let God go through me. Uh, uh, but however, that person wasn't ready. For that experience, and then actually, that uh, my sort of intentions to step forward and offering that actually was increasing the fear in that person, and so it wouldn't happen. So, um, yeah, so that that was a real challenge for me as well. So, like, I get extremely high and excited, and I was wanting to do all these things, but sometimes there's also like you see, like, why? What's going on here? And I was also like, oh my God, I, uh, I, there is an inherent responsibility in this creative energy to also you know, not make things worse for people. Although, I, so yeah, so what I learned from that, I have to get out of the driver's seat completely. Um, but at the same time, still ask for um, the creative energy in my own life still go on and step forward uh, and so for me to have a fulfilling life and feeling like I'm living the life I'm, uh, I'm meant to be having and I'm living in abundance uh, yeah. does that make sense because I'm, I know this makes sense to me but I never know if it makes sense to anyone else <laughs> well it makes sense to me oh great thank you yeah <laughs> I really like the way you explain things and in that last example you touched on, you used the word fear, which leads me into a question yeah. I did want to ask you. Do you think that fear is the opposite of love? Does love even have an opposite? Um, so, yeah, so very good. So because our human mind where we have this understanding is so subjective, I think everyone should be free to use the term that makes sense to me. So for me, fear is, in my way, I think opposite. So for me, opposite means, so you have yin and yang, and so they have the same weight. And I, I, I think that's incorrect. So I think like once there is love, love shines away fear. Naturally, a sun would just melt snow. Um, so I think absence of the awareness of love is better 
or maybe a, a block to the awareness of love, whatever is the term that really works for you. So, uh, I was first introduced to the concept of block to the awareness of love, and um, that works for me because it's it. The word block gives me the idea of like, okay, there's a block there, but I can remove the block. And absence of of love to me means almost like a bit more desperate state. Oh, I'm absent in the love, and there's nothing I can do about it. Where to from here? Whereas might be different to somebody else. So I like the word block to awareness of love. So that means like it is there. I'm blocked. Okay. I can ask for a correction here and I can commit myself to it. And now let um, the miracle <laughs> start working me. It, I, I, I hope it makes sense. Yeah. And I really like that you point out that we can all use a different language. Yeah. So just for the benefit of the listeners, me, me personally, I don't like using the term block. I don't really have a right. particularly good reason for that. But I, I'm just mentioning it because, you know, we all get to decide which words we use to help us describe this this experience between yes. um, apparent physicality and... Um, also knowing that there's more to life than meets the eye. Um, yes. the, the term that I prefer is the idea yeah. that we can perceive ourselves as being completely separate from any support yes. or love or, or spirit. Yes. And then we feel extremely limited and we feel all those things that you were talking about, Michael, the absence of love. Yeah. And yes. to me, I, I completely agree with you that when we feel the absence of love, we feel fear. But yes. fear doesn't, it's not the opposite end of the spectrum because like you said, I really liked how you said that it doesn't have the same weight as love. It's yes. not an equal opposite because it's not an opposite. <laughs> now I'm running out of words. <laughs> Which is wonderful. And I like that you laugh because that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> It is this this topic is is difficult to talk about because we feel it. We don't always have the words to convey it in a way that feels completely accurate to what we're feeling. Oh, but this is like so. I, I, I'm into education, and so like in education, there's different levels of learning, and it's really quite simple. So it's a basic like you want to learn Italian, you start learning a few words. Um, but just learning a few words, we do this when we're kids as well. We really don't really have an understanding, but it is it's the beginning. So, in the particular the Bloom's taxonomy, that they say, okay, the next step up is a, is an understanding. And the way that's assessed and tested is like explaining your own words, defining your own words, how that is. So, I, I, I think that's the work we need to put in. It's like we need to look at, okay, how is this concept going around my life? And just the exercise of trying to explain it to yourself and understanding to it, um, it helps the process and it also helps to really become clear what is it really that I'm asking for here and where do I want to go with that? And so in learning, it's just like if you go up from a level of understanding, you go into the realms of, improvement and into innovation and go like oh my god i've always done it like this i've always thought like this i've always approached any challenges in my life to this but actually now i've acquired a new insight a new understanding and i'm going to do it differently and i'm going to give this a go and i'm going to experiment with just little areas in my life see how i go and 
I think when you're on a spiritual journey, it's totally cool to do it like that and realize it's like I'm learning about my own mind and I also am in full acceptance that my own mind gives me the experiences that I'm in. And so I can be in command of that and no external source can actually interfere with that, which is a great sense of power. At the same time, it also gives responsibility because it means Jesus, God, the angels, the universe cannot interfere with the law of cause and effect, meaning that the experiences that you have are given by ourselves to ourselves and there is no point of interference unless you let that happen. So once you let it happen, it's important to choose <laughs> the right source to come into your mind and the way it works and the way you experience everything that happens to you. So we're starting to you're, you're starting to talk about our free will. Yeah. That's actually the first thing I remind myself of when I see someone doing something that I feel um, saddened by or disapproving of or yeah. want more yeah. for the person. And I just have to remind myself that we all have free will and I have also free will as to how I view that situation. Am I accepting or am I rejecting? Am I inclusive or am I pushing it away? Yes. And so, so for me, like when, what was one of the, the, the lessons that I started learning for myself, like when I saw these things, I thought like, okay, what is it in me that's really challenged here? And that was the, uh, the thought of the um, terminalness of my existence, for example, in this lifetime then, from the point in time uh, and place where it's seemingly all going to end. So um, I, I started reading back on near death experience and my own experience in the teaching, there is no death, but I really had to be confronted that even my human life here with all the wonderful things that uh, and memories that were there and, and uh, would come to a, to an end and that this body would eventually be laid down and that that's true for everyone. And then to remember like, oh my God, in one of my revelations, I was in like doublings in trillions of different ways of forms from like a, a dolphin in, in an ocean to alien to all kinds of different things all happening at the same time. Um, however, I, 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 I really am still at it. It's like that's a part of me, that's a real node of bringing back fear thoughts into my mind. It's that whole challenge of the terminalness of me. And for example, um, my parents who you know gave me their memory banks, their DNA, had to go to the Second World War in, in Holland and there's the famous Hunger Winter. There was a movie being way to bridge too far where, where the Allied forces tried to liberate Holland and it failed. So then there was a whole winter where there was no food. Um, my mum said her arms were skinnier than my pinky. And um, people just chewed on branches of trees to get some some kind of nutrition going. And, and, and so that memory really, really, really deeply ingrained in my DNA and something I'm still challenging and uh at at times during the day and and so yeah. 
it's always easy to say these things, <laughs> but it's challenging to, um, yeah. And so I also noticed that I have a real thing of trying to just push it away and go like, no, not that. And of course, that doesn't heal that side of memory. You really need to be brave enough, allow it in all its full dramatic devastation, painful memory to be included in. And once I do that, it uh, yeah, has a chance of being undone. Mm. It does need to be included in, doesn't it? And it really is that process of including the pain to see that it, it becomes dissolved by a greater force yeah. and we're yeah. calling that force love or, or source or God or yeah. spirit. Yes. And I also wanted to ask you, do you find that it becomes convincing that love is real by that experience we have of whenever we're unloving, it's a painful experience, it's an unpleasant experience? To me that confirms that that love is real, that that if we turn the other cheek or we turn our attention the other way, we get to experience more of what we want? Yes. So, um, th- yes. So I think in each and every moment we have that choice of where to let a mind go. Do we want to spiral up and let love be the guide for our experience in that moment? Or do we want to jump on the boat of negativity and thoughts that come from a total sense of fear and being separate. And so that's, that's a, as long as we're in space and time, that's a choice we have to make. The big advantage I had that I learned to hand things over and in that way, um, I actually made room for the miracle to happen. And, and for me, therefore, because it has repeated itself so many times, it is real. And I think that just for us talking together and sharing our experience, I think that's the way um, we can make a effect that's lasted you and I, you and Michael and Helen, but it can flow to really everyone that picks us on the podcast. And everything is also an idea. So for me, you and I just having this conversation and just motivating each other um, to think positive and to be honest about the experience. Um, somewhere in Siberia might just ask for help and pick up on the positive energy with just from that and have a healing experience. And um, in research, they have this concept that came around, I think, in the 1960s called the 100 monkey. What they notice is if they trained a certain behavior in monkeys in a, in a laboratory research setting, um, they had this notion that suddenly if 100 monkeys adopted to a new behavior that was advantageous to it, it seemed to spread to all monkeys over the entire planet without actually the monkeys having to go through that whole training process to adapt to new behavior. So that's how I see how um, healing actually becomes unlimited. It's that two people get together and we share our experiences and we motivate each other to spiral up and to be positive and not be caught by the so easy, negative, complaining way of thinking. And that does create an opportunity, really, for conscience to change. So I, I looked into new death experiences, and the estimate in Australia is at least 2 million people that have experienced such a repository experience. And I think if you would go for, for node experiences, um, it would add to their numbers, which is just a sensational idea. 
um, that's, that's what's happening to the human consciousness on the wider scale. I'd like to think that this podcast, this conversation will do all those things you said and also to encourage us all to talk about these experiences because to me they're a perfectly yeah. normal part of being human. They're yes. a day-to-day normal part of life. Yes. But yet because, as we said, it is difficult sometimes to put words around them and through various past preconceived ideas, people aren't comfortable to talk about them for a variety of reasons. And so here I am with this podcast saying, let's let's get together, let's talk about them, let's normalise them because if the more they become normal, the more we raise the consciousness or the frequency or the vibration of us all because like you said, one little conversation can yep. emanate further than we realise. Yeah, exactly. So let's conclude with... This concept of love's relationship to us all. Would you share with us some thoughts about how, you know, are we all included? Is this relationship available to all of us? Yeah, so so my vision is that the healing has happened. We only sort of like taking our time to let that entire experience where the entirety of space and time and all of humanity past, present and future is healed and is being restored to what we are in truth has happened. It's just a way of we're almost looking back and we like to take almost like the long way home. Little bits at the time rather than one big okay, we're all gone now but yeah, it's over and done with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what our free will is all about. So yeah. We're taking our time, we're enjoying our ride, we're taking a long way home, all right. But we are all included, we cannot not. Yeah, so therein uh, I find I can rest and have a point of peace, but okay. So I think the, so then the quality that I really draw on is the experiences that confirm that for me and just unlimited trust that that's how it is and if I feel not going fast enough, then, well, I need to do something about it because I'm the captain of my mind. <laughs> and so then when I would ask for that, I also then need to be willing to see all the aspects that come with me for me to speed up. And maybe I feel like I'm not ready or that will be revealed to me and then I can work on that as well. But at least it brings the power back to me. Mm. And I'm the architect of my space and time reality. Mm. Can I ask you one more question? I know I just suggested we were going to yeah. conclude, but could you, would you speak with us about the difference? You know, some people talk about connecting to their power um, yeah. in a forceful way. You know, it's a really manipulative, forceful, domineering concept of power yet I'm sure that the power you're talking about is gentle abundant inclusive creative all-knowing you know it's a very different connection to power or sense of personal power would you clarify yes so the idea of force to me is the idea that there's something outside of me I want that something outside of me to 
actor will be hired or deliver in a certain way. And the only way I see to make that happen is by force. But if reality is singular, so there's only one true self, and we're all holographically included in that. So you are in me, I'm in you, and so is everything. Then the idea of force is absolutely ludicrous because it's not necessary. There's no, there's no need for it. The only thing to be aware of each and every moment, what am I asking for? And it's singular, so meaning that we're only really giving to ourselves and it's singular. So there's, so there's nothing to control. And so for me, that's what the amazing reality is of virtual creative reality of the universe. There's nothing outside. There's nothing to threaten. There's nothing to oppose. There's just a new experience. Mm. And to our human mind, it's totally not understandable because we're separate. We need to control external things and we need to apply force. So I, I, I do not understand the idea of force. And I see it as born in a mind that's not singular and it's not all inclusive. Mm. I think in the Course in Miracles says, give all to all because you are all. Mm. The thing is that you do not get that reflection in space and time because the whole idea of space and time was the idea of separation. So now you need to allow your mind, allow my mind to be transformed so I can see a vision of singularity and now it becomes the dream of joy and happiness and forgiveness and all of those kind of things because that's what I choose. Mm. I hope that answered your question. Mm, it's a beautiful way to finish the, yeah. this podcast episode. Yeah. So thank you very much, Michael, for sharing your wisdom in such an articulate and uh, well-expressed way. It's, you know, maybe this conversation will greatly propel, you know, many people on their journey to, to experiencing wholeness and co-creation and all that excitement that that brings. How oh, wonderful. Well, let's, let's assume so it is. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> so it is and so be it. So thank you very much as well. Uh, just really... Um, during this whole communication uh, ended in a lovely, blissful, loving state of being. So thank you very much. Oh, my um, pleasure. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of the More Love podcast. Uh, if you're interested in other episodes, visit livetruetoyou.com. That's my website and I have a write-up for each episode of the podcast and there are many interesting podcasts for you to access. Uh, of course, I hope that they're helpful for your journey. You can also follow and see who's coming up and, and other episodes on the socials. The handles are at live true to you with heart. And until... Our next episode, all the very best.